0: advice podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast
1: And now, Internet, I want you to stand up and put your hand over your heart to welcome the one true wrestling podcast, Tights and Fights, the show that discusses the latest headlines and the greatest memories of professional wrestling. I'm Hal Lublin, and as always, I'm joined in the booth by my fellow leaders in the nation of conversation, the queen of kayfabe herself, Danielle Radford. Hello. And the man formerly known as the Black Scorpion, Open Mike
2: Eagle. So I don't have to talk like this anymore? No, you're free. Okay, good. That's great. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that.
1: Well, guys, we knew there was going to be a ton of wrestling this week. Some would say it was an obscene amount, some being me. (laughs) So to make sure we get to talk about as much as possible, we're going to break from the format a little this week and go straight to the news. Gonna call it in a ring a little bit, huh? Yeah. We're gonna right. call it in the ring. we we'll, we know what the finish is, we'll just work backwards from there.
3: Oh, it's like Cena. So you'll be able to hear us call it the entire show. <laughs> Yeah.
1: It'll be real loud. Just for the cheap
2: seats. They need to know what's coming <laughs> And in five I'm minutes. gonna leave a piece of clothing in the studio oh, after I after love... it's over.
1: <laughs> Can I wear it as a headband? Of course. Week? Of
2: course. I'll make it something <gasps> headbandable. God bless AJ Styles.
1: All right. <laughs> let's let's get into it, okay? Dig in. We're going to dive into the past 12-plus hours of live WWE television. It's too much. It's too much. We're
3: not going to get into everything, though. <laughs> Don't worry. It is okay. too much. Good. Guys, we're so tired. <laughs>
1: Specifically, let's talk about the most
3: glorious
1: in-ring debut in NXT history. Bobby Roode descending from the heavens themselves.
0: Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> With a
1: huge spotlight on him and, and how he was called out to the ring and, and and just everything in that presentation was so fantastic. Like They have sold him as a star day 1 and and a sold out arena believed it and he's one of those guys who's been working for a long enough time that he understands how to work a crowd and to see a guy like that with the support of the company behind him is so great it's like throwing gasoline on fireworks you're going to get more more light
3: yeah it's amazing i'm so happy that like i you know it, it's it's one of those things where For years, people would make fun of TNA and, you know, and obviously there'd be folks who'd be like, no, there is talent. There are guys who can, if you give them the ball, they would run with it. It's just, you know, TNA itself, you know, be it production or whatever. It's never come together. And now that you see so many of these guys flourishing in WWE, some of whom were first on the indie scene, it's like, ah, look at all of these you know, and it, it it it's one of those things that actually encourages me to watch more TNA and be like, you know, what diamonds can I find out of all this rough?
2: You know, I, I watched TNA for a lot of years um, and I never really was a fan of Bobby Roode. I never found him to be very engaging. You didn't like beer money? No, I really didn't. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of stuff that goes on and went on in TNA where I felt like. They're making these guys the top guys just because they're the best guys around, but not mm-hmm. because those guys had something really, truly amazing to offer. I think Bobby Roode's great in the ring. I don't think he has charisma worth a damn. And so I think w- there's something very interesting happening with this this, this entrance and this song where, like, he's kind of having to work up to it, I think, a little bit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think... How he naturally is is portrayed usually is very straight ahead, uh, serious business type guy, and I think that's why the glorious bombs work too, because like he's kind of a serious dude, and they're catching him in these moments, and he's having to kind of play along, and I I see that he's attempting to like you know live up to this 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 image because the song and the intro songs are very flamboyant, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not sure it exactly fits, so I'm I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes.
1: Well, he's one of those guys, I think, again, it's the support of the company. I think that they got together and sort of agreed, this is what the character is, and we're going to, the theme song CFO, maybe some of their best work yet, Mm. and everybody's bought into it backstage. So So now we all buy into it as a crowd. And he, he, so he faced off, and we, we can get into this a little bit more, but they put him up against Andrade Cien
2: Almas who is a talented guy, who didn't they, spar on the mic. Yeah, they just need to stop dressing him like S.A. Rios. They really have to stop <laughs> doing that immediately. They have to stop putting him out there in half a pimp outfit.
1: But he wasn't super over with the crowd, certainly not to the extent that Rude was. I do think as the match went on, he picked up a little bit more, not heat, but a little bit more pop as a baby face. Do you think that this is one of those matches, normally when they bring in a guy like Rude, like they did with Austin Aries where he wrestled, with Baron Corbin, and it was a decent match, but it really existed to put over Austin Aries while Baron Corbin was on his way out. So do you think both guys benefited from this match? Obviously, Bobby Roode is getting the rub here, but what's next for, for Almas? That's always what I wonder when somebody's is on the roster and they're doing the job for someone coming in. Well, now what?
3: Um, I I think anybody, just by, by virtue of being on TakeOver, you're gonna get something. But, I mean, we're not talking about that dude. We're talking about Bobby Roode and his entrance and his in the way that he did. Like, we're not talking about, you know. So, no, I don't. I, it was Bobby Roode and it was to get Bobby Roode over and to establish him as one of the stars on the card. And that was it.
2: And, you know, CN, who used to be, I think, La Sombra on, in, in uh, I think, CMLL or AAA, one of them, he was a very over guy. Mm-hmm. Um Something's not translating right now. I do think that they're that they see something in him and they want to ultimately try to get him over to But it's just not clicking right now. I don't think and I you know Did they both come away with something? I mean, I think every time Bobby Rood's music plays Something right just happening to him. You know what I mean? Like He's gonna that's that things are going well for him anytime that music is playing. I'm not sure You know CN got much out of that, but you know, I think as a presentation to the world that you know Bobby Roode and this and this music and this interest and this is what's happening. I think it was great for that.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. I I do think Almas is is an interesting guy. There's something about him that is attractive to me as a fan. In that he's not just a a spot monkey, as Broken Matt Hardy would say.
0: <laughs>
2: spot monkey.
1: He, he's not a spot monkey. <laughs> Let's talk about another great entrance. So we sure. talked about Bobby Roode. Let's move on to Shinsuke Nakamura came out to a live violin version of his music played by Lee England Jr. Let's hear a little bit of that. Now, I want to get this right because our producer Julian Burrell works really hard on these scripts and just in case there's any confusion about how he feels about that clip you just heard these are the exact words God that was awesome (laughs) which I agree with but I want you to know he's not here in the booth with us but he's in our hearts and in our ears Mike tell me about how you know
2: Lee England Jr. Uh, Me and Lee went to college together me and Lee and Hannibal Burris and yeah, <laughs> oh it was God, weird. It was weird. So in the We're greatest in college class. It was in history. And then there's a lot of uh, really cool people who aren't famous at all that we went to college with. It was a weird little bowl of We want I to hear know. about the famies. Yeah, yeah but it was. <laughs> yeah, but he's you know he's he's been doing that like his whole life, and he was known on campus as violin guy, and he would you know he would he would get to play the Black National Anthem and stuff at like oh. all our weird black Black Affairs Council events and all of that. But uh, Lee is really cool, and that interest was really cool. But I feel weird about it now because he kind of big time me. He he didn't really respond to me when I shouted him out on Twitter. You know what I mean? Lee? But, you know, y'all know I feel some kind of way about that. Yeah, I take that personally. I know you, Lee. Don't don't don't. He retweeted every compliment, but didn't respond to mine at all. Wow. So you know what, Lee England Jr. I don't know yet, but I'm, I'm not happy with you right now. Wow. Mm. I feel like the, the Black Scorpion might return. That's right. That's right.
3: I think he's betrayed. What was it? The Black Student Union? I think that he's he betrayed. Did. The Black uh, Affairs Council. That's right. The Black Affairs Council. He did. And that is definitely what the Black Scorpion is here for.
2: Right. But if he, if he says hi to me over the next week, I'm redacting all of this. Yeah, then it's totally fine. Yeah. Okay, good. You know what I love about this show is how much I get to learn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there were so many things there that had the word black in front of them but the one that stuck out to me was national anthem black yeah the black national There's l- a black
3: anthem, you. They didn't Yeah, of oh, well,
1: course do it. i don't know oh, do it. i just know the one that you know, a bunch of white people doing. let's do, let's do, it. I'll do
0: it. <laughs> lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring yeah it's a lot it's a lot it goes on for a while
3: you hear it mostly on juneteenth
2: mm-hmm. okay what is juneteenth <laughs>
3: what <laughs> Are we starting another podcast?
1: I am about to leave. (laughs) Called Hal Gets Woke? What's happening? Hal Gets Woke! (laughs) I feel like I... (laughs) have so much to learn, but also by the
2: time we're done, you will be a king. The African dream.
1: Oh, I can't wait! Yeah, Let me, <laughs> we try. Go get it. my dashiki ready. Yes. Right no. Now. Yes. No. By like a garbage fire <laughs> out do in not, South Central. <laughs> do, do
3: not show a dashiki in a on Tumblr. <laughs> <Do> not, <laughs> they will eat you alive. <laughs>
2: dashikis.tumblr.com it. It'll be worth it. Do it for Halloween. Be Hakim and I, I got your back.
3: Why are you doing that Because I want it to happen!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Anything for you. Anything for you. All right, let's get back to the match.
1: Okay, so mm-hmm. we had Nakamura and Asuka who were in a pair of pretty great championship matches Saturday. Shinsuke Nakamura, of course, beat Samoa Joe and his jaw for the NXT championship, and Asuka beat Bailey to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Now, of course, people want to know what's next for the losers of those matches, and we got the answer... To half of that, because on Raw we saw Bailey make her debut on the main roster in pretty grand fashion. You guys have high hopes for Bailey now that she's officially on Raw.
3: Yeah, especially with Sasha gone, I think it's going to be great. Because um, I do like it. The way they brought her was perfect. That like whole Charlotte being like, "Who's at left?" and it's like, "Oh, she's not wrong." Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no one, and then having Bailey coming out all smiling. The only hard thing is, is like other than her obviously being candy colored. It's that same thing with everything where they just like make assumptions that like everyone's going to know who she is cuz everyone walks, watches NXT and that's not true and so much of what makes her adorable is her being super fan Bailey but it's like we watched her kind of evolve beyond that so I don't want her to go back to being like super duper like super fan but I do I don't know. I, I don't know how you introduce people other than just being like she's really confident and she wears a side pony because we watched so much of her evolution. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to do it. And I feel like with the way that she was with Mick, they're going to do a little bit of the super fan stuff. And I'm OK with it, if only because you can justify it now and be like, well, that was different because she was a super fan there. Now she gets to meet the real stars. You know, but it's also, do you want to watch Bailey have to prove herself again? I don't.
2: I think, you know, but you bring up a good point, And it's something that they've treated so many different ways. If you look at all the NXT people that they brought up that have straight up failed. And then you look at the opposite and how they treated Finn and they, you know, superstar rocket ship straight out the gate. I think there does have to be some sort of happy medium. I didn't see all of Bailey's run. I saw a lot of it. I saw... I was introduced to her around Brooklyn really last year, maybe a couple months before that. So I didn't see a lot. Um, To me, I think you do want to do a little bit of character development. You do want to introduce her in an angle that has a little bit of distance away from the title so that the title stays over. And then you get her over so that when she is in that position, there's some steam built up. She's more established because now, like, if you if you put her in that position and it's too much too fast and people don't know her. There's this chance that they might not get on board,
3: right? Well, and then if, it's like, who cares,
1: right? If you're watching TV and you you watched, I mean, who who knows? I, we don't know the numbers behind the veil of the network. Right. So true story. For a, a million and a half subscribers, if a million of them watch NXT, that's great. That's another 500k who don't, who maybe got it just to watch the pay per view. But when she shows up on Raw, she got a pretty sizable. She reaction because it's a friendly crowd. She had just done NXT Takeover of Brooklyn. She was at uh, not payback or bragging rights. Or they're whatever all called. It was. They're all called
2: like buttlash or
1: something. Sure. Like what are what are they? <laughs> but lash. All but lash. butt lash. Yeah. When She came out as the mystery tag team partner. That's another people are familiar with her, but they do have to do a little bit more to tell her story. And I hope they do it in a better way than they did with Finn Balor. Finn Balor they made to look strong, but the moment he cracked open the Irish storybook. And told me all the legends. Like, I don't need you to tell me the entire story of Beowulf for me to, to put you over. Yeah, I and need be you to tell to you. me
3: the story of you. Right. Yes. All the rest of that stuff is Googleable. I'll Google that shit. Tell exactly. me the story of you. And they did such a good job in uh, NXT where they were like, hi, my name is Finn. I like Yegos, or whatever. Like, <laughs> they, they did such a good job with that. I've been to Japan. Like, that's great. And then he gets over here and he's just like, uh, I chose my name because, bitch, I don't care why you chose your name.
2: <laughs> you know what that is, though? Uh, on account of a couple of former head writers of WWE, Vince has a real hard-on for, like, Irish mythology. So it seems oh. like he got excited oh. about that and went in that direction. So that's not a shillelagh in his pants.
1: hey <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the other guy who lost a match, which, of course, is Samoa Joe, the Samoan submission machine. Who got his jaw dislocated and then relocated immediately, according to him on Twitter. So it'll probably be just a matter of time till he's back. Is he gonna head straight to SmackDown or is he gonna stick around to try and win his championship back? Hot uh, take. Hot take time. He's
2: he certainly better not stay down there. And if because if he if he was gonna stay down there, there's no point in him dropping a the belt. They could have just drugged the series on a little further, had him go over.
3: I, I don't. It, it's they. There seem they're doing a pattern now of like lose the belt. Still kind of hang out like the old dude at the club. We ain't got no business being there no more. Um, and then fight for the belt again and then leave. That happened with Sash. It happened with uh, Finn. It happened with Bailey. now. I think they did it with Owens too, didn't they? Where he you, did that after thing? After the where ladder
2: he, match? Well, I Owens, think, I think, was know. a little different because Owens... Went to the roster with the title, which yes. was dope, but yeah. I get
3: why you don't want to do that every time because then it draws too many comparisons and it's like, oh, well, you're a lesser belt than our lowest belt.
2: There was a return
1: match, the yeah. return match was the ladder match, so he dropped it in Japan and then they had a ladder match, at yes, and so. that was so they that was sort of for the audience in America who didn't watch it at 2 a.m. Or, or bother to find it later, they got to see Kevin Owens lose again
3: right and so that seems to be the pattern so if they hold with the pattern then he's gonna hang out um they they usually do that to kind of give everyone else a chance to um get up to that level before that top guy bounces i don't know that you need that right now um so it would be nice i like when my expectations are um Well, I like when I'm surprised. So it would be a really nice surprise if they moved him. Because I think with him especially, you know, he got his jaw knocked out. They've got all these other dudes ready. Move his Samoan ass on up. It's time.
1: You have a a lot of guys who can step into that position. You have to, at a certain point, start turning over. And and Samoa Joe is not going to be in his mid-30s forever. (laughs) Yeah. That is how time works. That is how time (laughs) works. Strong understanding of temporal mechanics over here. So I would love to see him on the main roster, making some heavy noise. And SmackDown seems to be, there's something about that roster that feels really great, but really thin. And I think he would fill it out in a
2: major way. And I'd be excited to see him there just because of what we've seen of SmackDown. The writing team seems to be very, very consistent in terms of storytelling. And I think that'd be a really great place for him.
0: Yeah.
3: Two hours, man. It's so good. Just two hours. That's all you need?
1: I was talking to my wife yesterday about wrestling we were in a rare space where she was asking me about it and engaged and interested and i i said sweetheart i think i've figured out the match that everybody should watch who's not familiar to wrestling who wants to understand how a story is told in the ring and it's the revival versus diy hmm. for the nxt tag team championships they they told a story that has been told a million times for years and years and years and it was very reminiscent of what you would see in the 70s and 80s for those, like, hard-battling road teams that would do loops in Texas and Midnight Express, Rock and
2: Roll Express. Yeah!
1: And it was so well done, but they still managed to make it feel fresh to the point where I had read the results beforehand, before I got to see it. I I didn't get to watch it until this past Monday. And in watching it, I was like, maybe I got it wrong. Hmm. Maybe maybe the guys who who don't go over are actually the guys who do go over, and I, I was mistaken. That was how pulled into that match that I was. So what a match. What, what did <laughs> you guys think? I mean, I, can you think of a better tag team match than that one that you've ever seen?
3: <sighs> it was so good. It was really, I, I'm just, I, I, it gives me hope for the tag team division. Yeah. But I see, you know, every six months I have hope for the tag team division, so that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Every six months, something will happen, and I'll be like, "Ooh, tag teams, tag teams." Nope. Um. Oh God, it was it was so good, and I was so. It it it, it lets me, you know, because you do worry that like, I I just know that like the the tag teams are gonna are gonna continue to be good there, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the tag team belt on SmackDown later, and then that gives them something to fight for. Have hope, y'all.
1: Sure, let's let's take it from the NXT tag division up to the main roster, where we had the same 12 man tag match that we saw on SmackDown the prior Tuesday, between pretty much all of the active tag teams in the division. Maybe a little bit more time to showcase them, and of course we had the DQ finish from a returning Big E Langston as the New Day loses to the club by disqualification and John Stewart gets a little bit too much mic time. Jesus Christ. Oh boy. <laughs> so, how should things have gone down because I I here's here's the problem I have with the New Day. I love them so much and I feel like everybody loves them so much that they haven't given them a real threat yet.
3: Nope. And that Wyatt thing, I think like that took a lot of their shine off. That mm. whole you, uh, all like all, and not just that weird backyard.
2: The fake deletion. The
3: fake deletion. Yeah. The Felician.
2: <laughs> Bye, <laughs> Felician. <laughs> Bye Felician.
3: <laughs> Not just that, but like it, it. I felt like that whole feud kind of took the shine off of New Day, and I want them to go somewhere. I feel like also having Enzo and Cass on the show talking for eighty minutes mm. has taken away the time that the new day had to talk for 80, you would think we had so much time on a three hour show, but Mm -hmm. apparently only one tag team gets to talk. And so it's like, I don't know what's next for them. I know they don't want to break up. I'm sure that like the, the brass doesn't want them to break up because they sell so much merch. Um, They got cereal. It's dope. I haven't eaten it yet. It looks delicious. So I don't, I don't know what has to happen for them ne- next.
2: I think you, you're, you're nailing it, though, because the problem is we see them, we love them, we know who they are, but they have to evolve into something. They
3: have to every, evolve.
2: Every act on the roster, once they're established, has to evolve. It's the story of pro wrestling. It's, there's no off season, so if you want to keep it fresh, you have to move in some direction, and they haven't.
3: And maybe that's why that fake deletion thing, because it felt like they were, it, they were evolving. It was teased like, it, as always happens with the Wyatts, it feels like the Wyatts are pushing the other team or person or whatever towards something that never happens.
2: Remember when Bray Wyatt had lightning powers for two weeks?
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. dope. Remember when he controlled <laughs> children and freaked out John
2: Cena? <laughs> <laughs> he electrocuted Dean
1: Ambrose or something. <laughs> Remember when he cut a promo that made sense? Like oh. A month, like, oh, oh, yeah. That was great. It was so wonderful. Yeah. Would you have put the club over the New Day in that match and, and had Big E come out at the end or have him come out and it doesn't matter and the club still wins? I, I, How the, do you rebook that?
2: The mark in me wants the New Day to keep the titles. But, yes. you know, the the pro wrestling fan in me wants, you know, if they lose it or when they lose it, I want it to be in service of the team evolving somehow. I want them to be edgier. Like how they were teasing making Xavier edgier in that feud. I want things to kind of move in that direction. So if losing the titles is going to light a fire under their asses and make them yeah. do something different, then yeah.
3: I think you can still be funny and and change them from being less wacky, funny, calm, you know. And still, they, I think they can still be funny and turn into a threat. Yes. I think that that is possible. Um DX did it, and I think that you can you can do it in this day and age where you can't constantly talk about your dick. I think you can still find a way to...
2: Talk about your dick, because that's what they've been doing. <laughs> but, but,
3: but, you know, like, I think there is a way to do that, where they can be aggressive and still be funny, but not just be like, you know, the wacky booty hole serial guys. Do you remember,
1: uh, it was about a year ago, I'd say maybe last fall, where... They they were doing their silly heel shtick at the time. They were getting booed out of the building. It was great. And they had a moment at the end of a Raw where they cleared everybody out. I remember that. Up. They mm-hmm. came in like like vampire they jackals. They beat up the entire roster one day. And it was great. And you were like, oh, they're a legitimate threat. So honestly, that is what I want to see again. But let's move on from Anderson and Gallows to their former leader, the phenomenal one, AJ Styles, who should be covered in cinder blocks and dust along with his opponent, John Cena, because they tore the damn house down (laughs) in their match, which AJ Styles went over clean, and the finish made a ton of sense. He had already done the Styles Clash, and it hadn't worked. So this time, he delivers the Styles Clash, then goes right to the Phenomenal Forearm, Mm -hmm. knowing full well it's going to take two finishers to put away his opponent, and lo and behold, it does even to the point where John Cena got applauded yep. by the Brooklyn audience as he left his never give up headband or armband, <laughs> wherever he wears it, kind of pulled it out, could have been. Using, Leg warmers. Yeah, mm-hmm. out of his butt. <laughs> <laughs> and left the ring. He got, he got a, an ovation from the crowd. This match has been talked about all over the Internet and by a lot of people as the match of the night. Does it live up to that hype for you guys?
2: Yeah, I just I thought it was an amazing match. Uh, I think it does lean on the false finish thing a lot. But in terms of an awesome wrestling bout with drama where people got what they wanted, which is so rare nowadays, you know, you figured if AJ was going over, it's gonna be some screwy. But like, for John Cena to put him over clean, I think, is is just really gratifying for an audience of people who are genuine wrestling fans and really want AJ Styles to do well in the company.
3: Yeah, no, I thought that it was, um, AJ's another one of these dudes, he, he ain't gonna be in the mid-30s forever. Um, <laughs> so having him go over clean over John is huge, especially considering that John's gonna be phasing towards being more of a part-timer so having someone there that can take that over and who can be you know he's had he's had the experience that he can be a leader in the locker room um even you know face heel whatever he's doing yeah and um gosh just that moment of john leaving that one of his 18 wristbands in the middle. <laughs> it was great. And then he gave the salute, even though I don't know that he's ever been in the military, but that's fine. He played <laughs> it in a movie.
1: He's military adjacent. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he's been on military bases. Yeah. Um, yeah, that match was fantastic. It was great. For me, it was that one, and then it was... Um, and then, obviously, it was the women's match, although we got to stop killing Sasha. This mm. <laughs> is a personal favor to me.
1: Well, now... AJ Styles has moved into the title picture. Are you excited for that?
3: Yes.
2: You know, I'm less excited than I would be if it weren't for that um if it weren't for that Dean Ziegler program, which I felt like almost devalued both of those guys.
1: Okay, well let's talk about that. It was sort of an underwhelming match and that's sort of the general consensus of it. Was it just a styles clash between the two? What do you think led to to it not meeting up to your expectations?
2: I mean, in my case, um, as as much as i am a i've I've been a Dean Ambrose guy, something about this title run oh I don't know it's not like i I love that he that they're putting him in that position. I think my perception of him as a superstar and his moveset and his clothes and his dirty hair and all <laughs> that i think it's it's like finally kind of hitting the ceiling for me where' like oh like I don't want you to look like a regular dude like I want you to look like something it's like a thing look like a thing
3: you want a thing you want right. just. you don't want him to look like he just walked out of the Bruce Springsteen concert
2: I got a buddy one of my <laughs> rap buddies Serengeti I have a group with and when I'm on tour I'm just showing him wrestling all the time he's an MMA guy so he'd like you know he just he'll jump into the fandom with me temporarily but his reactions to people are always golden because he's just a casual fan he's like that guy oh. It looks like the sound guy at the club we just played, <laughs> and then so we just ran with for the whole tour like we were pretending that every sound guy was Dean Ambrose, and it was this personal <laughs> joke that we had, and it was great. But it's like when you when you're looking at him, it's just oh, you want you just want something a little bit more imposing. I I I long for the days of SWAT team Dean Ambrose at this point. <laughs> you know, I really do. I just I want I want there to be a little bit something more going on with him.
3: Well, yeah, I, I guess for me it's like. Every time that Dean is supposed to have one of these big pay-per-view matches, it's never—I think we were talking about that um, before the show, because we're friends. Um, (laughs) Dean, like, the the story going into the match never winds up being the story of the match. Or at least it never feels like it's the one that we thought that they were going to tell. And, like, that's what happened with him and Brock, where he went and, like— did uh, the the ocarina of time where he goes and picks up all the weapons so that he can beat <laughs> Ganon, and then he doesn't wind up using any of them? You know, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <But> I, <laughs> that's that is oh. that is a problem uh, on the creative side, and certainly yeah. a little bit uh, the, the the blame would fall on him. And I think, Mike, this might be a bit of what bothers you because it it also bothers me. A lot of what you were saying was ringing true with me. I like him better chasing the championship because he's the underdog. Once he has the belt, it doesn't quite work as well because they're not continuing that story. He's right. not the guy who never should have had the championship. All of a sudden, he's the greatest wrestler on the roster. And I don't quite buy that character switch because it didn't come about organically not that he isn't super talented and can't work a ton of styles but from a storyline perspective i want him to be the guy who's constantly
2: in danger of losing his championship and for it to be mean so much to him and that his scrappiness evolves to the point where maybe he turns heel because he just cannot let go of this belt Mm. but like i think you really touched on a good point that like the his positioning suddenly being top guy is not doesn't feel organic well he's been getting beat up a lot over the last year to begin with mm-hmm. i did think his match what was it triple h roadblock was the pay-per-view whatever buttlash, but whatever but be a butt block <laughs> butt block 2016 <laughs> that was a great match and it was like you're saying how him in that underdog position fighting from underneath and really putting on a good show and making you think oh man they might They might put the title on him, but he lost so much heat Mm. in the Brock Arena of Time. You know, he lost lost so much heat, and here we are with him, and now he just looks dirty. Well, (laughs) let's go back to the Brock Arena of
1: Time itself. Brock Lesnar himself, who won his match against Orton by TKO, which, for those of you who didn't know, in wrestling, that means he elbowed Orton in the head until he bled buckets everywhere. Gave him a hard way. Overall, kind of a weak way to end the pay-per-view What do you guys think about this as a main event? Does does Brock still interest you as a competitor? Allow me to answer that, Hal. Good question. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to get a team of lawyers and release Brock from his contract and thank him for his service to the company. I get that he's an attraction. But all he does and all he has done is devalue the roster, except for The Undertaker, for the last few years. So signing him, now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well— I guess it's another two to three years of this now, of him of of the the, the WWE throwing up their biggest guy or some up and comer. So
3: guys you can't see this, but how's making that face again? So Uh-oh. Brock
1: can pancake him <laughs> in front of everybody and say, This guy's a piece of garbage. See you in four months. Like why? What is the gain there outside of we made this is this to me is the definition of stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. Hmm. So you're not building these huge stars who can all be draws. You're using the guy who's an established draw, and I get it. I get the aura about him. I get that people like seeing the same match from him over and over and over again, where he German suplexes them 900 times, clubs them, gives them a couple F5s sweats everywhere and then, <laughs> and then wins, somehow picks up a weird cut somewhere on his face. And I've seen, baby him, Brock Lesnar. I've seen him in person. He is a frightening individual to see like in front of you. Like I, I've been backstage and had him walk past me. And it's like you bristle up because you think he is going to grab you and murder you. So I get that appeal. But I also think that he is they, they are not doing any services to themselves creatively by putting him over all of these people who who don't have anything to do afterwards. I would propose, and then I will let you guys talk, I promise.
3: <laughs> He's I, so mad.
1: <laughs> I propose, if you want to make him an attraction, have him do the attraction matches. Have him be like the Bam Bam Bigelow that wrestles Lawrence Taylor, that wrestles anybody who comes in. Like If you want Conor McGregor to come in, don't have him fight the big show. Have him fight Brock Lesnar. Don't
3: have anyone fight the big show. Just as
1: a... <laughs> oh, you don't want to see Shaq fight the big show? No.
3: No. No. Me
1: neither. No. <laughs> I was just kidding. You guys thought I was going to say that I wanted to. <laughs> what, do you guys agree with me though? Do I just not get it?
3: I, I'm done. Like, <laughs> you know, Supercity City and all that stuff, it was super fun. Um, it has had its day. And now, yeah, because where do you go with him now? What is his purpose? What purpose does he serve? He was super fun as an attraction who would come in occasionally and be... But now it's just like, okay, so... Every, what, four months, he's going to come in and beat up a dude that we like or maybe don't like. And then he just goes back to a sable cave. Like, I don't know what he... A <laughs> sable cave. Yeah, you know, where they where they raise the cows and they have the kids. and It's yeah. a sable cave. So like...
1: He owns all of Wyoming by now, I think. <laughs> That's his <laughs> he'd, ranch.
3: He'd have to. Mm-hmm. So I just don't... And, and you can feel that he's... If you couldn't control him now, he's starting to feel or before he's starting to feel less controllable now than like ever because he's like, you know, before it was, well, I have Divik or whatever. And so I don't know if I'm ever (laughs) going back to the UFC. So I'm going to get my payday now. But then it's like, oh, I went back and they knew that I was on drugs. And they didn't do nothing to me. Arf, arf, arf. You can't touch me. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's the you know? He's starting to. He's getting the big head. So let's let's let him go back to the farm. Um, and I, I think I'm just until it's an actual good story, and the story isn't just, can you beat up Brock Lesnar? Probably, and then that person gets beat up. I have no use for him right now.
2: Yeah, I I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to I'm going to say this. It's not his fault that they're putting him over everybody. Sure. The reason that they're doing that is because he's one of the few guys in the company that's actually over right now because this era is the era of 50-50 booking. And if you have one guy that's over and everybody else is made to look weak all the time, then they don't. This it's their fault for not building somebody up enough. If you let Rusev win for a year— Then it don't look so lopsided. Then it actually looks like it's a story then. But since they don't do that with anyone, the guy who was a legit main eventer in the past when it wasn't 50-50 booking can go to UFC and actually fight and, and draw legitimate eyes and draw a crowd and draw money when you bring him in he's gonna look like he's at a level above everybody else. And I feel like it's on them to book it where somebody looks like a do threat.
3: Th- do you think it might be that they're too afraid to make a star now? Like a huge star, like a company eclipsing star? Because if that person does some shit that messes everything up, it could ruin everything? I've have, I've been thinking about I this. I have
2: read that since, I think it was, I don't know what year, I think it was maybe 2005 or 2002, I think, when Pretty much around the same time, Austin retired, Rock went part-time, and Brock and Goldberg left. 2003. That there was a company edict in creative that they weren't going to make anybody else bigger than the company. Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're not going to figure
1: it out here right now. I'm just going to be sad about it. Yes, you can. (laughs) Lock the doors. If you're listening to this right now, you're probably thinking... And you probably sound like this. Wait, are they seriously not going to talk about the Universal title? What about the new SmackDown titles? Don't worry. And see somebody for your voice. Sounds like you have phlegm (laughs) buildup. That's coming up in just a minute when Tights and Fights returns.
0: I'm Travis. And I'm Andy.
1: And we host
4: Bunker Buddies, a comedy apocalypse podcast every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org.
0: We've got a brand new format for our podcast that we hope you want to come and check out. We try out products for your go bag. We'll try out cheddar larvae and cricket bars so you don't have to. We play Would You Rather and
1: answer questions from the audience. And we have great guests that pop into the bunker. It's everything you love about the show and more. Come check it out every Wednesday here on MaximumFun.org.
0: Stay safe out there. There's always hope and cheesecake. Dice and Bites Podcast. Dice and Bites.
1: Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. With me in the booth to talk about all things SummerSlam are...
3: Danielle Radford. And...
1: Michael Eagle. Correct. Every week we have an in-depth conversation about one of the finer points of wrestling. This is our main event. Guys, our first episode was all about the new titles that were going to be added to WWE. This week, those titles were finally revealed. It was such a roller coaster of events since Sunday that I think it deserves another spotlight. Let's start with the universal title. What a crowd pleaser, right? (laughs) I think a lot of people have been making jokes about it on the internet. I think I
2: saw you open my giggle. I did. Say
1: that it looked like it was made
2: of fruit roll-ups. 13 pounds of fruit roll-up is Mm. what I said. (laughs) so delicious looking i
3: think i said it looked like a bedazzled beating heart but i'm not sure <laughs> oh
2: gosh well now that we've all had a chance to digest
1: the twizzler title is it grown on you at all
2: well i gotta say i wasn't really as actively angry at it as everybody else mm-hmm. is i was just a little like oh that's so lazy that they just yeah. colored it red like yeah. i just
3: got jokes but it's a title it's fine. I'll like it'll We'll all be okay, you guys. Right. I don't know. Like, we're all going to be okay. And it's just, it's underwhelming considering what a big deal they made out of it. It's like, oh, it's just the same title, but like a different, it's just the Skittles title. Is is Reggie Parks
1: dead? Why is he not making these belts anymore? Because those belt designs are someone different. It is not... The classic Reggie Parks who designed the belts, I think in the 80s, all the way through the Attitude Era, where there were some great belts and some misses. They weren't all, you know, the spinner belt. I think that might have been a Reggie Parks belt. Whether it was or it wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of the Smoking Skull, like all that. The less said the better. There have been some classic belts in the the past. This one does feel like a home plate.
3: It feels strapped a, to
1: two human tongues. It
3: feels, um, it feels a lot like I'm going to be okay when this whole brand split thing is, is done and they unify the titles back to a different one. It feels temporary, well, doesn't it? Well, you
2: know they're just going to make it purple then.
3: Oh, shit. I could get down, I, yo, I could get down with the Prince Memorial title.
2: Mm.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here today <laughs> for the unification of two titles. But here's the thing. All these people were chanting about the belt and talking about the belt online, and then Finn Balor gets injured in service of trying to win this belt. Seth Rollins puts on a, a, a good match. They put on a solid match together. I like the match. Yeah. In pursuit of this belt. So it, are we in one of those situations where the title, how it looks is overshadowing the matches put on to to win it? I mean, does the injury that Finn Balor suffered, does that raise the prestige of the title for you a little?
3: I think that what they were expecting was to get the huge pop and the huge response that they got when they turned the crappy Divas title into the women's title, which fundamentally was like a statement about a thing. And I think that they were expecting then that's why they're like, oh, well, we revealed a title, you know, on WrestleMania and everybody loved it. And so we'll just reveal a title again. And it's like, nah, bruh, y'all should probably they should have shown us that before, I think, um, SummerSlam instead of thinking it was going to get the same because it's not the same. It's not the same to say, like, I took the design that we had and we made it a different color because we did a brand split. It is not the same as we are looking at women in a fundamentally different way now. And I think that maybe part of the wrong lesson was learned from unveiling the women's title at WrestleMania.
2: I think, you know, there's there's at least two things going on, one of them being that. When they unveiled the name Universal Title, I Mm -hmm. think that is a word that conjures up imagination and fancy. And you start thinking of things like, oh, what would that belt look like? And then you just get, you get like the color swap Ken and Ryu belt. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you just, I think they raised... Our expectations of what it could possibly look like. And it was
3: never going to be as good as our imaginations. Right. You announce the name of it. The, if they're going to do it like they did the ladies' title, women's title, I'm the worst. If you're going <laughs> to do it like you do the women's title, you announce the name and you show us the title that night.
0: Yeah.
3: I think that's what you do. And then people would have, it wouldn't, we wouldn't have been roasting that title as much as we did. Um, If they would have just done it all at the same time, instead of giving us time to percolate on what dope thing that might have looked like. My my second
2: thing was, and it's exactly that, speaking of giving things time to percolate, because I remember being very upset watching that Finn and Rollins match and hearing the crowd, uh, this belt sucks while these two guys are putting on a match. Yeah. But then I thought about it. These people have been sitting and drinking beer and watching wrestling for five hours.
3: Oh, my God. Some (laughs) of them were there the night before?
2: Right. They're drunk. They are very drunk now. This is a
3: whole weekend. They are drunk to get over how drunk they were the night before. And I think that
2: as a company, and we don't know why they're doing these. I mean, I have theories of why they're doing these super long pay-per-views. But they have to keep that in mind now. Like, if you're going to have people there with a two-hour pre-show and a four-hour event, you get. You know, five hours into that, people are going to be reckless and rowdy, and you yeah. kind of have to manage that a little Summer bit.
3: SummerSlam is a weekend now, and that's on them. They're booking it as a weekend because yeah. they are doing, you know, they're they're doing a takeover, and then they're doing SummerSlam. They are making SummerSlam into a weekend thing. They're making it into... Uh, Even more so than it was before second WrestleMania. Y'all got to put that into the planning. Yeah. These people are the same people that bought tickets for the show the night before, got drunk there, got drunk last night, had to get drunk so they could get to the thing today. (laughs) And then drank the whole time there. There was probably like 18 brunches in between. They're wasted.
1: Because it's Brooklyn. Yeah. Broke. Everybody at Brooklyn. So I think if you want to reveal a title, and you, you made a good point about this, Danielle, you should do it the way they did it on SmackDown. And they revealed another set of underwhelming titles. They Their did. women's title looks like the other women's title, but with a blue background instead of a red. And the tag titles look exactly like the other tag titles, but with silver plates and blue straps. However, they rolled it out at the beginning of the show with the entire women's division and the entire tag team division in the ring. And when they... they they made those titles seem important when they revealed them. And the, the the tag teams and the women, for their part, looked like they were excited that they had a belt and a prize to fight for. So now, even if you don't like the belt and you can't get more underwhelmed at that point, you've already been underwhelmed, so they can't disappoint you further. They have actually built some importance around the titles and created a six-pack challenge immediately. So now every woman in the division gets a shot at it. And all the tag teams are in this tournament that's going to culminate at the pay-per-view. So they've all got a hunger for it. So, so out of the gate, it feels like a hotter title. But now, do you guys hate the designs as much as I do?
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I think it's really interesting how we can see now That everybody's giving SmackDown a pass. Everybody is (laughs) giving like, already they've won our hearts to the point where we feel like we're, they're on our side more or we're on their side more. Because to me, that tag belt design, color swap it however you want, it's ugly. Yeah, and, and like now you got smash nickels instead of smash pennies. <laughs> as far yeah, as yeah, I'm it's like that like... thing
3: when you go to like a um, when you go to Mount Rushmore or the Space Needle, and you can put in the coin, yeah, yeah. and then you roll it until it gets smash off. Smash, 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 penny. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Good for them. They so, did it
1: <laughs> instead of wrestling in a tournament. Why don't they all just go to the local fun arcade? Right, they can make their own belts, but they do assign meaning to it, and there, there's a reason. I don't think. I'm not giving SmackDown a pass. I was disappointed when I saw them. But I do think that SmackDown, to your, to your other point, Mike, has a better fashion of storytelling and booking. And for that reason, you go, okay, well, they obviously didn't design the belts. The belt designs are poor. <laughs> but they're going to try and make those titles important. Right. In a way that the storyline on Raw centered more uh, on building a rivalry between the two men instead of, I want this belt. So bad and here's why I'm going to win it it was I'm going they tried to make it personal and raw didn't need to be personal let the match be about the title then let it become personal mm. because one of them has to lose so th- there's a difference in how that story is being told so do you think that the competitors in the those divisions on Smackdown will do enough to make those titles matter I mean out of the gate I have, I have hope but I don't know if they can follow through on it because I'm used to being let down.
3: I think we're all used to being let down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, are they over enough outside of American Alpha? They've really torn down. I mean, Ascension looked strong in their brief match against the Usos, who were always over to a certain extent. Like they have. A, they, I like the tag division on SmackDown better than the one on Raw. I think they have a ton of great teams Yeah, there. at
3: least then you don't have a very charming group of men that I love who are kind of stagnating at least here the field feels more open
2: yeah i'm worried about the tag division a little bit i don't feel like the ascension or the hype bros or i mean really anybody outside of american alpha is really in in position i mean the usos are gonna get a get a shot at it they'll probably you know have them at some point just because they're established on that level um but there are no there's another act that needs to evolve and I'm looking at American Alpha from week to week and they're good, but I'm they're almost too good. And when they talk, they're almost too confident. Right. And I'm like, are they gonna are they gonna are they teasing something or are they just too cocky right now? I can't really tell yet. And I want them to get that under control. I want the writers or whoever or if it's them to kind of get that under control so that we can firmly root for them as mm. they go forward.
1: After a break, we're going to give you some recommendations that you might have missed after half a day's worth of wrestling. Half a day, maybe an underestimation. This is Tights and Fights.
4: New York City, listen up. Your fellow MaxFun listeners and hosts are gathering at Stuart Wellington's New Brooklyn Bar, and you're invited. You probably know Stuart from his hilarious movie riffing on The Flop House, but did you know he's also a small business owner? It's true. Join Stuart and a ton of new Max Fun friends at the Hinterlands Bar on Saturday, August 27th at 7 p.m. You can find more information at bit.ly slash maxfunhinterlands. See you there.
0: Bar.
1: Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. With me in the booth are Danielle Radford and Michael Eagle. To finish off the show, we're going to put over three things from the world of wrestling that we think are awesome.
0: <laughs>
1: we call it the three count. <laughs> Danielle, kick us off. What do you want to put over?
3: I am going to put over, um, I'm putting over the Women's Evolution episode of WWE 24. What? I know. If you follow me on Twitter, you already knew that was coming. Uh, (laughs) If you have common sense, you already knew that that was coming. Um, I promise you that it wasn't, uh, no one was like, Danielle, you're a lady. Have us give your lady take. Uh, (laughs) You're still going to hear it, and I might cry. Uh, Like, legit, I might tear up because I cried about three times. The first time I watched it, and then I cried again when I watched it the second time. I thought I was like, I'm gonna take notes because I'm put this over, and then just Bleh. <laughs> um, so um, I will play a clip from that now, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. It was only eight months ago I stood in the middle of the ring,
4: announcing the Divas Revolution, and that Divas Revolution has sparked an evolution. And going forward, starting this Sunday at WrestleMania, you will no longer be referred to as divas. You will simply be superstars. And at WrestleMania, we will also debut the symbol of that evolution,
3: the WWE Women's Championship. All right, so we can say whatever we want to say for however that's turned out. Um, I'm not ready to deal with my feelings about Sasha yet. Uh, We'll talk... (laughs) It's Stop breaking her is my first feeling. Um, My second feeling is get well soon, Sash. Yeah, my heart was broken. Uh, I thought that they killed my wife. But um, it's just as someone who has been watching the product since I was a teenager and having to constantly watch those crappy Divas matches and those crappy women's matches and women wrestling and putting for no good goddamn reason and just just having to watch all of those things. Um and, and having that be acknowledged and and us moving forward, it felt like and this is a weird thing to say, as someone who's been watching this for more than half of my life it felt like this was the first time that this thing that I love was actually meant for me mm. like they made something that was for me and that acknowledged me um, as a fan and um, I don't know it was it was really nice to, to have them be like we get where we were we get what we did um, and here's where we are now and women we know you're out there and we, we're listening to you and that's just dope. And if it takes Stephanie and Triple H to have like eight more daughters for them to continue <laughs> to acknowledge that women are people, um, whatever it takes, because it I'm tearing up. Um, it does. It it, it means it it means a lot that there I don't I no longer have to feel like this thing that I love doesn't take me seriously. It was really dope. Y'all should watch it and then cry and then tweet at me, uh, your cry tears. That'd be dope.
1: Hashtag (laughs) Tears24.
3: Hashtag WWE. Send cry face.
2: I watched that thing, man. Oh, yeah. Really got to watch it. There were just so many hours of wrestling. Oh, this my God. Week. So much. God.
3: I'm,
1: uh, I'm halfway through it and enjoying it immensely because there's a rich history of women's wrestling and it's a, a, incredible, like you said, the journey of, of sort of where it is now. Yeah. And the acknowledgement
3: of what hot garbage it was before, which uh, was there a hot garbage match? I'm sure there was. Oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Put two women into a dumpster and see what happens. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm sure that happened in the 90s. <laughs>
2: Mike, what are you going to put over? I'm going to follow you putting over something important by me putting over something mad stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but that I'm completely fascinated by. Uh, and, I, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know by now. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with dirt sheets. I read a lot of, <laughs> I read a lot of what goes on uh, behind the scenes in the, in the gossip realm and I still don't understand how WWE gossip works because some of these guys have had newsletters and websites for twenty years and it's like, how do you have a source? behind the scenes that managed to stay employed <laughs> for 20
3: years. Thank you. Ain't there just a list of like email addresses <laughs> that is perma blocked <laughs> from the, yo, uh, WWE, you need to learn how to block uh, websites from your
0: router.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there was uh, a backstage incident after the um, Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton match uh, where Chris Jericho was, uh, he, he was upset about the finish And about Brock um, busting Randy Orton's head open. And um, we're going to try to reenact it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> this is the Ooh. one, we don't have a clip from it. We don't, um, we don't. So, we so yeah. I guess yeah. we're introducing- uh, This is
2: the inaugural
1: edition <laughs> of Kayfabe Theater. theater. Kayfabe
3: theater. theater. I
1: will uh, be playing the, the part of the wrestling angel sent from heaven to save us all, Chris Jericho.
3: I will be playing the part of Brock Lesnar.
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a cameo, I'm not gonna announce myself. Though. I'm just gonna come <laughs> in and do my line.
3: Let's see how it goes. All right, let's do it.
2: All right,
1: so the the setting for this- This right after the match. This is in gorilla position. And Brock Lesnar has just come back through the curtain to find a very angry Chris Jericho. And curtain up.
3: Oh, man. That was a good match. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing, man? What are you busting his head open for, man? You son of a bitch. Hey, don't talk to me. I just got to. I'm going to go. You stupid idiot. Don't. It's not my fault. Which one of us is from Canada? eh? Stop touching my forehead. That's weird. We both sound alike. I'm going to choke you with my scarf. Stop touching me. I'm going to touch you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with stuff, because that's what I do. I hit people. I'm Brock Lesnar. That's my name in my real life. My father played hockey.
4: Break it up, pal.
2: It was a work. Calm down, Chris.
3: Oh, it's Vince McMahon, eh? Oh, hi, Vince. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my sable cave. I'm going to go record some songs, eh?
2: And scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think that went about as well as we could have <laughs> <escaped with> it. <laughs> But okay, 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 okay. But in in this thing, because there are a couple of really funny things that happened uh, in the actual um, <laughs> exchange. I'll be in LA connection with my short form improv nuts <laughs> all weekend long. Um, so Chris was upset. And he didn't know if the finish was a work or a shoot. So he initially asked Michael Hayes of the gorilla position, "What's going on? Is it a work or a shoot?" And Michael Hayes says, "Nothing." So Chris Jericho becomes incensed and starts cursing and Brock Lesnar walks in and Brock, you know, tells him to mind his own business and Chris gets in his face and Brock Lesnar kissed him on the forehead and wow. says and says "Kiss me back, bitch." And then they start pushing each other more and then somehow Chris Jericho pushes Brock Lesnar like against the wall and Brock Lesnar puts his hand behind his back and says Kiss me or hit me, pussy. <laughs> wow. And at that point, uh, Vince and Triple H jump in and break them up and inform Chris that it was indeed a work that Randy Orton was supposed to get his. Well, he was supposed to bleed. He just wasn't supposed to bleed that much. Is is what the story is. But there is a lot going on in this exchange. And if you go to archiveofourown.org,
1: they do all kiss in the <laughs> in the fanfic that's written there. Oh gosh. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Kiss
3: me or hit me, bitch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Y2K, the K stands for kisses. Oh. Aww. That's so sweet. I'm going to put over something very special this week, you guys. There are some landmark promos in wrestling. There's Rowdy Rowdy Piper saying, just when they think they have all the answers, I change the questions. There's Austin 316. There is the pipe bomb. And I submit to you in this pantheon of great work shoots promos, The Miz going off on Daniel Bryan for calling him a coward. You you had had
4: your chance to talk. You're the one that called me a coward in in the wrestling ring. I'm the coward in the wrestling ring. But let's talk about cowards for one second. The reason I wrestle the way I wrestle is because I can do it day in and day out all the time for 10-plus years. I have never, never in my career ever have been injured. I don't get injured for six months to a year. I am here each and every week. But you sit there and call me a coward. Yeah. I'm the coward. Wait, let me tell you about a coward. Let me tell you about a guy who tells his WWE fans, the people that he loves, that he will be back. He promises them. I promise you, I will be back in one year's time to claim this title. But you didn't, Daniel, did you? But I'm the coward. Okay, I'm the one that they, doesn't love if the they, fans. If they would let me come back, I would come back. Oh, if, if you you would? Yeah, you would. You you love that WWE ring. You love being wrestling. You love being right in that wrestling ring and you love wrestling, right? Well, yeah. why don't you quit? Why don't you quit and go to the bingo halls with your indie okay, I think you then, need to huh? calm. No, that's not, no, what, this sh- I that's not this. what this show's me about. GM have this. Thank you very much, Renee. This is a great show, but we're talking here. I need to talk to you real quick because the fact is, you're the one that calls me the coward, but you're the one that doesn't get in the WWE ring again. No, don't you walk away from me, Daniel. Don't you walk away. I'm the one that loves the fans. I'm the one that loves everyone and everything. You're the one that gets up and walks away every single time you're the coward i am not a coward i am your intercontinental champion and there's a reason i am the title reason making this the most relevant prestigious title that wwe has and i deserve the respect on smackdown live Get get that camera right here
1: let me break that down for you and tell you why i think that was so great in the span of less than three minutes The Miz put over the show he was on. Mm. He put himself over. He gave you all the motivation you ever need for his character, whether he is face or heel. Showed you sort of the coal that gets shoveled into that engine. He put over the title he defends and makes it more important than any other title. So anybody coming after him is going to have to pry it from his cold, dead hands. Mm. And he does it all in a way that you believe. If you are one of those people who's been out there talking smack about The Miz, you need to go back and look at the work that he's been doing, particularly in the last three to five years, because he is an undervalued talent in the WWE today.
2: Caveat. If you look back at a lot of what he's done, you won't see a lot of what we just heard, though. And the reason why is because the WWE current product style of promos is memorized lines. That was obviously not that. Yeah. That was somebody who was maybe given a couple bullet points, but allowed to completely go off script and improvise. Yeah. And that's when you're able to really see all that heart that you're taught, all that motivation, all that character, all of that logic. It comes out when you allow them to cut loose and talk. And Talking Smack seems to be the only program where they're allowed to do that. Or increasingly, when they're interviewed backstage, like Cesaro has been, and some other talents have been, like, after the draft. It seems like they're creating more of an open space to allow them to kind of go off script, which is immeasurably valuable to us becoming invested in these characters. Yeah,
3: Yeah, sometimes it's got to be. I would really enjoy if they went back to... That era of having writers do bullet points, maybe mm-hmm. one or two things for them to hit on, and then just let the wrestlers wrestlers talk, like that's that's where you get those pro with heart. There are very real. There are very few good ones that have been scripted from point A to point B.
1: Give them the mic. Let them sink or swim. That does it for this week on Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Our hosts are Danielle Radford and Mike Eagle, along with me, Hal Lublin. Our producer slash advocate is Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Colin Anderson. Thank you so much to everyone who shared the show on Twitter and to your friends. If you enjoy the show, please continue to do so because it does make a difference. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, Please suckas. Do that.
2: Please do that a lot. Now,
1: there's plenty of wrestling happening every week, so let's keep the conversation going. And you can find our links to Facebook and Twitter pages on MaximumFun.org. And we'll be back next week to talk about even more, you guessed it, wrestling.
0: Tyson and Bites Podcast. Ties and Bites.